Hello and welcome back to the Scottish Rugby Podcast, the only rugby podcast that I'm aware of that's recorded next to a close era, such as the uh, glamorous lives that we lead. Um, this week we're fortunate enough to be joined by uh, sports journalist Gary Heatley from GH Media. Gary, welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, and uh, as a last minute replacement for John Anderson, who's either cried off with a head knock or badminton, I can't, I can't remember which, it's Ian Hay. Hello, you pay for Broadway, you get Broadwood. <laughs> um, we just just a quick one. Um, I've chosen different music this week for how you get in touch with us because people like this with music. Um, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at Cami Black or at Scott Rugby Blog. Uh, we're also on Facebook, Instagram, and you can visit the blog ScottishRugbyBlog.co.uk and email us podcast at ScottishRugbyBlog.co.uk. Um, Gary, how do people get in touch with you? Yep, in terms of myself, it's just uh, Twitter's probably the best way. Uh, G underscore H media on Twitter. And uh, yep, I'm sure I'll get bagels of reviews after that. <laughs> and Ian, if people want to bother you? Um, I very rarely use Twitter, but I'm at, at IanHay82. Very good. Uh, I'm also on the Scottish Rugby Forum as one of the admin guys. You can usually catch me on there. We should mention the Scottish Rugby Forum, who are very good friends of the podcast and the blog. Um, and we get lots of contributions from them. Um, now, the main reason we've got Gary here tonight, although um, I hope he's going to stay with us for and uh, chat a little bit later on about the European games, uh, is to check in with the um, the women's leagues uh, and how the, the women's season's going so far. Um, now, Gary, the, the Premier the Premier League is about to split. Is that right? Yeah, so that's right. So there's one round of fixtures still to be played this Sunday, and then it splits into a top four and now a bottom three because obviously in the last couple of weeks Murrayfield Wanderers have been ejected from the league which has been a, a, bit, of a, a bit of a talking point. Yeah, um, there's actually I was looking through this, there's actually been some fairly um, mixed results in this. It's not, it didn't seem to be as um, straightforward as you might think. I mean, I was looking at last place Annan only lost 28-0 to Hillhead but then the next week Hillhead were beaten third place Castorford 94-14. Is that... Is that down to anything, or is it just a case of sort of teams not being able to get the same players week in, week out? Yeah, no, I think the the twenty eight nil sadly would have been out. Annan couldn't raise a team that week, so that was probably the best result they could have hoped for. Right. Um, but in terms of the league generally, I think it is it is closer than it has been in previous years. Obviously, as I mentioned, Murrayfield have, have not been playing, so Hillhead are kind of the team to beat. But Watsonians and Stirling County seem to have pushed on a lot, and uh, and Annan, you mentioned it's their first year in this division, and they've actually. They won their first ever game a few weeks ago against Carter with 53-41. So if you're going to win a game and win your first one in the yeah. top flight, that's probably the way to do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, has anything sort of has there been any surprises this season? I mean, you mentioned um, Watsonians. I know they they maybe had trouble a couple of seasons ago getting a team together. Yeah. No, I think um, in the last couple of years they've had a new coaching team, and then last year they got to the the Serbini Cup final. Albeit got beaten quite heavily by Hillhead, but I think they knew they could build on that and bringing in a player like Lana Skeldon, who's one of the one of the sort of contracted players, has helped. And I think, and well, certainly for what their wingers have scored a lot of tries this season. So Brian and Elsa's scored a few, and she's managed to get herself into the Scotland seven squad and the Scotland 15s wider squad. And Charlotte Runty is back from injuries, and I think she's scored five tries in, the, in their last match. So, so they've clearly come on. And as I mentioned, uh, yeah, Stirling County seem to have really really come on. Um, as well, they they uh, pushed pushed Hillhead quite close uh, last time. I think they ended up losing 48-28. I think it was a a really good game, and there seems to be yeah much better contests all round really. And is this is has have the standards sort of improved generally across the board as well? 
I think so. I think in the last two or three years since Scottish rugby have kind of put in a bit more time and effort into the the uh, national team, there's been much more coaching courses for for women's coaches and things to get involved. So I think the teams are now better better coached, better structured. Um, you know, the kind of seasons planned out a lot more. And I think most of the teams have a a wider squad now, maybe up to sort of 25. When before they were 17, 18, and if you had injuries, you were really struggling. There obviously has been a couple of defaulted games, but um, you know, long travels for Annan and things like that. But uh, but yeah, I think in general the, the standard seems to be seems to have raised it in the top flight. We've had, I mean, we've had a lot of um, interest on Twitter. A lot of people have been talking about the Murrayfield Wanderers situation. Um, I can't remember who it was now, but someone got in touch just to say, you know, what a shame it'd been for Wanderers, given how much sort of they put into the women's game from quite quite early on. Um, so it's now confirmed. I think I'm right in this. The 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 players from Murrayfield Wanderers, or the majority of players, have gone to Harriets, and are now waiting to see if the SRU will award Harriets the Murrayfield Wanderers place in the league. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I believe that's right. I mean, in the first few weeks of the season, it was still a bit muddy waters in terms of, uh, you know, games were still on until a Thursday, Friday, until they were called off. So it wasn't ideal for the for the club that was to be playing against them. But yeah, I think uh, as far as I'm aware, a majority of the Wanderers squad have kind of had moved away from that club um, to train at Stuart's Melville and Heriot's. Uh, and I think they presumed probably wrongly that they could just take the place in the league. But obviously... Um, you know, Murrayfield Wonders had that place, and that was their place to have. So I think there's been quite a lot of meetings and quite a lot of goings on. Obviously, it's not ideal to have a you know player sitting on the sidelines not playing. So I think they have played a couple of friendlies when when league games have been called off. But I think it's quite good to have some clarity now. And yeah, I think we're still it was due to be earlier this week, but I haven't heard as yet. I think we're still waiting to hear whether the new team, Harriet's Ladies, will go into the Premier League for the new look 2019 RF. They'll have to start down, down the bottom of the league, so I'm not quite sure what's going to happen there. Yeah, it's quite interesting because there's uh, we've had a lot of um, uh, people who are quite interested in making a lot about sort of the progress that teams like Oban Lawn have made, um, and they're currently top of National League One. So it would seem I don't know. I mean, Ian, I don't know. You, you might chip in here. It, it seems sort of unf- would seem unfair for a team like Oban Lawn to sort of be doing very well and then Harriet's to jump the gun. Yeah, I suppose that would be sort of. Um reputation coming before achievement um yeah that's a that's a very slippery slope to go down um i mean we've got all this issue down in england about ring fence in the premiership you know there's talk if um, for example a team like uh ealing who will spend a lot of money if they were to win promotion or be the top place team in england they wouldn't meet the requirements to get into the premiership uh also there's concerns about player welfare there so it's, I suppose it's a whole broader scheme of, you know, do we want to recognise teams who have struggled their way up from the bottom or do we do we prefer to go for the teams that are maybe better for the business model, um, if that or maybe just more the organisational model in, the te- in terms of the, the women's game? Because obviously there's not a huge amount of cash in that, but if we got all the Scottish players playing together under one, you know, it would be a lot better. Do do you think that's that's the sort of the, the thinking that that might be where this comes from then, Gary? That there's this idea to almost create a women's super six in a way and sort of ring fence the Premiership to to a certain group of teams, or or do you yeah, think the might? I'm really not sure how that's going to work because I know at one point ladies Texans were mentioned in super six mutterings and then they were kind of seemed to not be involved. Um, you know, clubs like Melrose now don't have a, a ladies section. Teams like what's running in Sterling County have worked hard to build them up and, and 
now Herrets are obviously um, taking on this new team. So I don't really know how they're going to try and mirror that at all. I don't know if that's really going to going to work. I know Air have obviously got a good ladies section as well, but uh, it just seems a bit strange this season that it took you know six seven weeks for this to kind of be cleared up or out in the open because you know there are a couple two or three Scotland players still at Murrayfield Wonders who the best of my knowledge, haven't played any 15s games this season. Um, you know, and if if they're going to be involved in a, a wider Scotland squad that might go to Italy in November, it would seem strange that they haven't had that opportunity to play matches. So, yeah, I think there's still you know, a few things to be tidied up with that. It's, you know, like with, with the men's club rugby, the less people are playing or the, the more weeks people miss and now the weather's like this, the more people you're going to lose to the game. So, so hopefully it can all be resolved and when this new, say this new Luke 2019 season kicks off, everything's satisfactorily sorted out, but I'm sure there'll still be a few few discussions to be had before that can be. be yeah. Done. And in terms of the split then, uh, going forward from after this weekend's fixtures, then it's the, the top four play each other until until there's a winner or is it, does it go sort of into semi-finals, final sort of stages? As far as I believe, the top four will just play another three, three round of matches. So I would presume you'll play the clubs. If you played them at home, you'll play them away. I think that's the way it works. I, I stand to be corrected, but I think it's just three more fixtures, so it'll be Hillhead, what's her name, Sterling County, and Christopher are already, already confirmed as the the top uh, the top four, and then Anne and Cartha and Stuart Tree will be in the bottom three. Um, I know there was still talk about it as well, Murrayfield Wonders playing friendlies, or this new Heritage team playing friendlies, so uh, whether that comes to fruition as well, but as far as I know, the split just goes uh, goes into three more games, so it should be quite interesting um, Hillhead are playing what's her name this this Sunday in the last in their last sort of proper league game and mm. uh, it'll just be interesting to see how close if at all what's her have got to Hillhead and, and if they do win that one it'll almost be level points before they go into the split yeah and it's interesting I think looking at it um, what's have got the superior points difference as well um by 20, it's 201 for Hillhead and 227 for what's so it's going to be quite that'll be quite interesting to see how that match goes I guess yeah no, I mean see, that'll be the Sort of test for what's wins. I guess they, um, I think they lost earlier this season to Sterling County by a couple of points, and then since then they've they've won other games. But they did get beaten quite convincingly by Hillhead in the cup final last year, although beat them in the the development cup a few weeks later, which was a kind of a tournament without internationalists. So, uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting game, and I think it has been a you know a good season if you take away the sort of all the talk about a team that hasn't played, the teams mm. that have been playing have actually put, put in some good, some good rugby. Good. Um, now, uh, fortuitously, with having you on, we, we had an email this week from Lauren Gunn. Uh, it's not just my mum that emails us. Um, she's uh, <laughs> she's given us quite a lot of suggestions of things that we might cover in future in terms of the women's game. Um, but one of the questions, uh, which you might be able to help answer, Gary, is uh, whether you think uh, the Scotland women's squad has enough depth. I think it's uh, starting to get starting to get more depth. I mean, um, certainly. You know, over the summer, the seven squad used a couple of teenagers um, in their various tournaments, and I know they've they've had a much wider squad who are on kind of programs, if you like, and are always in touch with the shape and the other coaches. So I think it's getting a wider a wider group. Um, you know, they're still not quite there. Obviously, there's you know there's a few sort of big names playing in France and in England, uh, and then there's the two two sort of full time players playing in the the Premier League. But there's still a bit of a jump for the rest of the players to make, but I think they. They are getting there. And I think what the massive thing for this year, which Shaban Rose talked about since he first came in, was that there's now going to be, well, two tests in November and one test in January before the Six Nations because previously folk have been going straight from club rugby to, to play perhaps England or France and it's just not uh, 
it's not a particularly great warm up. So I think um, these two November tests, I think they've got Italy away and then Canada at home, or you know that'll that'll really gauge where the squads are, and I'll maybe give them a chance to to test out some of the the younger players, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, that that's um, that that's uh, been quite a, a good uh, recap of, of where we are so far. Uh, like I said, we'll, we'll try and do a bit more. We're going to try and do some more regular stuff on the women's game. Uh, maybe get Gary back as well. Um, it, moving for moving on then. Um, the big games this weekend um, elsewhere um, are we're into European territory now, uh, chaps. Um, we'll, we'll maybe we'll start with Edinburgh Montpellier. Um, and Embers away in the return of Big Vern Cotter. Um, I, I mean, Ian, um, good old Cockers has been doing, he's not just dampening down expectations, but sort of stamping all over it and burying it six feet in the ground. Um, do you um, do you see any light at all in this or any way Ember are likely to win it at all? Well, for the last few years, especially, well, maybe pre-Cockers, uh, Edinburgh saved a lot of their best performances for Europe. So maybe the the lightning will strike again, but uh, you look at the Montpellier team and you just, I don't know, you, you just kind of get worried. Um, like most of the French teams, starts the back line. I mean, one thing that Edinburgh do have, if they can, you know, the French forwards are sort of notoriously heavy and slow. Edinburgh have got a great back row. If they can get some kind of advantage at the breakdown there, maybe get some turnover. Um, Maybe there's there's a chink, but you know then you've got the likes of Nadolo coming at you. Uh, so you know, fingers crossed for them. But um, I wouldn't hold up too much hope, really. Yeah, I mean, Gary, I'm, Richard Cockrell saying that he thinks if anything, the condition is going to be the difference. He reckoned that the Embra play on average 40 minutes with the ball and play, whereas Montpellier are just over 30. I mean, do you think that has anything in 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 Embra's favour, or do you think it's just going to be a case of Montpellier sticking up the jumper and slowly grinding out a win. No, I mean I think it, you know that that is certainly that statistic is true. But I mean as you say, uh, since the it was over in the European launch a couple of weeks ago in Dublin, and yeah, certainly that was the first thing Cocker said was we won't win this tournament. So he's not exactly uh, sold it to his fans. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think um, this first game, you know, they've come in with two, you know, they've slowly got better with the the Benetton win and then the, the Cheetahs' performance and. You know, as you mentioned, Nandola, you know, Nandola against Darcy Graham will be interesting. The size difference is probably one of the biggest that will probably ever be on a, <laughs> on, a on a rugby field. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, no matter what he's saying to the to us in his dressing room, he won't be saying we're going there to to get beat because Richard Cockrell doesn't like getting beat. So um, you know, they've got a, they've got a chance, but with Montpellier at home and and them not having their, their sharpest starts, I think Vern will have them pretty well well drilled. And as Richard said, he won't want Vern won't want to lose to a Scottish side. So. Uh, could be quite a tough, a tough start for him. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I mean, there's some question I think over whether Nadolo's fit at the moment. Um, from what I could tell, I found one article on in English. Um, because I can, everything else was in French. My French is terrible. It's only GCSE level. Um, <laughs> the um, the, they've got. I think Aaron Cruden and France Stain are both injured, as well as uh, Yacoub Camarat. Um, and Nadolo um might not be fit although like you said the difference thing I, I looked it up Darcy Graham is a five foot nine and 11 stone 11 pounds and Nadolo is six foot four and 20 stone seven pounds <laughs> yeah that's like Shane Williams v Jonah Lomu yes um yeah I mean it's, in, I mean, it's interesting because um Duhan van der Merwe has played I think Jake White um brought him over to Europe to play for Montpellier although he said he was on the fringes of it and he can he said 
interestingly said it was like being on a holiday not just the weather just in terms of, sort of how, how laid back the French are compared to what it's been like at Edinburgh um I speak I mean I think Jim Hamilton recently was just sort of saying Ian in terms of the, the differences there still are sort of differences in the way that sort of the French go about their rugby yeah I read the same same piece um I was on the offside line um I see. I think he was saying he was probably six in line. So, below he had some like fifteen South African teammates over there, <laughs> uh, which just goes to shows the sort of uh, cosmopolitan makeup of a French team these days. Um, but yeah, obviously you know, well Cocker's is renowned as a hard taskmaster. So he did say that uh, when he came to Edinburgh, a lot of players were out of shape. So he's probably, you know, he's instilled that from the, the get go there. And if Duhan's been on holiday. All that time at Montpellier, he's you know it's going to be more like a boot camp for him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean Montpellier, they're only fourth in the top fourteen. I mean they beat Toulouse sixty-six fifteen a couple of weeks ago, but they they did get beaten by Cast in the first week of the season twenty twenty-five. So it's not it's maybe not all um, doom and gloom. Um, I guess it's whether or not um, Montpellier have all their um, star players available. Um, Glasgow then, um, Ian. Um, I mean, there's a couple of bits of news out of Glasgow. You've signed Petrus Duplessis from London Irish. Is that, I mean, happy yes, with that? A, yeah, um, obviously with the injuries to, uh, long-term injury for Xander and um, Halan Ukanuka. Um, so I think he's, they said he's about five, six weeks away from returning. Um, there's only Darcy Ray and Adam Nicholl there to cover up and they're, they're obviously just young and experienced lads. So bringing in a guy with such vast experiences as uh Duplessis seems like a, a good shout. Um, obviously, for the development of the young guys, including Xander, it's going to help. And then I found out that lovely fact. Should I use that just now, Cammy? Or yeah, no, use it. Go ahead. It's an yeah, interesting yeah, fact. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so Petrus Duplessis, um, in a segment, um, oh, it was, it's, uh, had Jim Hamilton on it called uh, "Don't Mess with Jim." Uh, <laughs> Petrus Duplessis apparently is in a film called Gatwick Gangsters. Uh, he plays a small-time Russian hoodlum. He's got a small cameo shot in it. Uh, this film also includes uh, Dave Courtney, legendary Cockney gangster, uh, Bobby George, the dark guy, and Willie Thorne. <laughs> Willie Thorne is playing a character called The Beast, so I'm, I'm really concerned about ever seeing this film. It's got a 4.6 on the moment at IMDb. So, uh, oh, well, if anyone's seen that, do let us know. Um, it sounds, yeah. That sounds like a tax con. <laughs> it's like that that film they made with um, status quo once um, <laughs> a few years ago. Um, you've lost uh, Glasgow. Have also lost big Brian Alunesi, Gary. Um, that's sort of been on the books for a couple of weeks now. But I mean, there was a lot of talk about him sticking around for a Scotland cap. So do you think that's is that a surprise? Yeah, it seems a it seems to have caused a bit of surprise to, to people. I mean, he's not not played that much for, for Glasgow really when he's been there. Obviously, he's been injured for. For quite a while now. I mean, he's uh, yeah, quite an interesting character, and obviously they <laughs> they must rate bulk over there. But yeah, it's just uh, you know, for Glasgow at the minute, I guess they are relatively short in second rows with uh, with a few injuries. So um, yeah, obviously Dave Rennie's got enough. I think he's got enough in his squad to deal with them. And again, if if they come calling, I guess you, you don't turn that down. But he's obviously turning his turning his attentions away from a Scotland cap because I guess that was the plan originally. So yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah, maybe they might carbon date him over there as well, try and figure out whether he really is 24. Um, 
<laughs> Ian, this this is this is going to be a real test for for Glasgow um, against Saracens. I mean, there's a lot. Of, I, I was listening to Blood and Mud earlier, and they were sort of saying with Saracens, you, you just have to lie back and take your beating. But there's there's. Do you see Glasgow? Do you, or should Glasgow be expecting to at least challenge Saracens this weekend? Do you think? To be in a word, no. Um... I mean, let's spill it. Saris are obviously top seeds in the group. They're probably amongst the top three favourites for the, the entire tournament. Um, they're just a, a very well-drilled, very solid side. You know, they've they've pretty much won all in Sundry for the last four years. Um, you know, obviously, a couple of blips here and there in Europe, but, you know, they're always there or thereabouts. Uh, we also seem to have unfortunately caught them in that three-week window where Billy Villapunapola isn't injured. <laughs> um so, you know, it's going to be incredibly tough for Glasgow. I'd say even tougher than it is going to be for Edinburgh uh, against Montpellier. You know, obviously, there's there's a little bit of hope in me. I'm not just all doom and gloom. Um, but I think, realistically, we're going to... I think a losing bonus point would be... You know, if, if we achieve that, that's not too bad. Um, I think the main thing is... I think, you know... We know that Saracens are just, they're kind of like Leinster, they treasure possession of the ball. They very rarely give the ball up, whereas Glasgow are the complete opposite. You know, we made more turnovers last season than anyone in the Pro 14. Um, and Saracens are very clinical, and then they're very ruthless. So if we get a bad start, we're doomed from the start, I think. I mean, Gary, do you think, is, is Ian being too pessimistic there, or do you, do you think this is going to be a real slog for Glasgow at the weekend? No, I mean, I think it will be a... A tough game, but I think, you know, Glasgow at home, you know, still do fancy themselves. I know it's against Saracens and it will be tough, but I think they've got a chance. I'm just wondering, when you've been hearing about the players on their, their two-day training camp in, in Windy Largs at the start of this week, I've just been wondering if uh, Adam Hastings and Hugh Jones have been practising the uh, the move that saw Harlequin score against Saracens the weekend when the, the penalty was caught up in the wind and Joe March managed to score. So it'll be interesting to see if Glasgow try and, uh, try and bring that one out of the repertoire. Never know with Hastings, so it'll be. I think it'll it's be like, interesting, some interesting matchups in the in the game. Yeah, I yeah, mean that I've... one would probably work better in Galway, I think. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah, I was looking up at them. There are a couple of interesting matches. Like I said, I mean the the, the Hastings Farrell um, battle is going to be quite interesting. I think it's come along at an interesting time. This in sort of the run up to the um, autumn test for a lot of sort of Scotland players within. The, within the Glasgow team, and I think you know if, if Hastings is going to sort of try and show that he is sort of at that level, which he's certainly put in the performances this season so far, it, you know, playing playing pitting himself against Owen Farrell, you know, I, I don't think there's much apart from going up against the Barrett. There's not really much more of a better test of of your your skills at ten. Yeah, see, you know, they're, they're a wee bit different. Um, Farrell's obviously a bit more sort of I don't know what you'd say, maybe more sedate but you know just very very efficient um adam hastings is you know he's he's kind of moved straight into the fin mold you know he's and the rainy mold uh you know he's very much wanting to play front foot rugby um the one thing that i think he's got over fin at the moment because i think i don't think hastings is at fin's level yet but he's very good he's got a great fend and he's got a, a bit more acceleration and pace than Finn Russell. So when he's taking the ball at the gain line, he's he's beaten a lot of defenders. Uh, against Dragons, he beat 11 defenders, and apparently that's an opt-to record since they started taking those stats right. for defenders beating in one game. 
Um, the previous record was eight. And against Zebra again, he was doing it again. You know, he gets up there. He looks maybe he's going to do a pass. But, um, you know, he can take anyone on the outside. He's got a very good fence. He seems to have a lot of power through the hips. You know, he's... Um, you know, I've been very impressed with him, as I was last season. When he, you know, his, his few games that he did play, he's injured quite a lot. But, yeah, I think he's definitely stamped his authority there at Glasgow. And he is the first choice 10. And do you think, I mean, do you, do you think, uh, Gary, I mean, um, the last couple of weeks, David Rennie's gone with Dunbar and Jones um, at centres. Do you think that's something, do you think that's that's going to be his preferred partnership now in terms of the big games? Uh, yeah, I would think that looks like being his preferred partnership. And if, if, as you mentioned, with the Scotland games coming up, if Alex Dunbar can get another couple of big performances out of himself, then, you know, that'll probably be the, probably the Scotland lineup for the autumn test. So it's, uh, you know, Hugh Jones, I think he's, um, He's had a bit of a hard time, and I think he he came straight off a South African season, you know, played amazingly in the Autumn Test. Then okay, didn't hit the heights with Glasgow, but you know it was a big life move for him, and then he got injured. So I think he's, um, you know, I think he's had a bit of a rough rough time from some quarters, and I think he is not, you know, he's a quality player. And these are the kind of games, you know, this is almost like an international game. These are the kind of games that he he always shines in. So it'll be uh, be interesting to see how he gets on on Sunday. The other one I was sort of interested in is Adam Ash because he, he's had a really good start to the season for Glasgow. I mean, he, I know he bagged quite a few tries, but um, that I mean, he when he was young, he's been unlucky with injuries. So again, for someone that's looking for a test and a, and a, you know an opportunity to put his hand up in the autumn, we know what, what better than to go up against Big Billy V. Yeah, I think Adam's a very very capable player, um, but like you said, he's had a lot of issues with injuries, so he's never had a good run of games. He's shown patches of form and then got injured um, and it will be interesting to see how Glasgow formed their uh, well, particularly the uh, the back row in the locks because you know with Alan Essie away um, Johnny Gray is obviously going to be starting lock Rob Harley's been playing quite a lot recently at lock and I think he's he's shown a really good bit of form um, you know he was previously indispensable to Glasgow but then last two seasons not maybe played so much but he's I think he's playing very well at the moment so I think we might see him starting um, Gibbons you know he's first name on the team sheet for me pretty much uh, co-captain and just leads by example I don't think I've ever seen him have a bad game for Glasgow uh, so then we've got Ryan Wilson as well um, so you know Ash probably got his hand up for a starting spot uh, Matt Fagerson's in that mix as well um, it'll be interesting to see who gets picked yeah, um, the other um, sort of, of course, a point of interest for Scotland fans uh, at the weekend will be Sean Maitland, um, who again he's had a, had a good start to the season with Saris. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he he plays at the weekend. He's sort of been in and out, sort of on the bench or or starting, and again, someone's been unlucky with injuries. So that'll be be interesting. Yeah, yeah that... other options. Oh, sorry, um, on you go, Gary. Yeah, no, I think he, um, as you say, he will be. It'll be also interesting in terms of of Glasgow, maybe how they're. Back three shapes up, and you know Tommy Seymour's still not really perhaps hit the heights that he once did. And Lee Jones obviously scored a couple of tries last week. Um, you know, with, there has been that talk in some quarters with that Seymour would move to fullback, but I'm not quite sure if that'll happen. Rui Jackson's probably been pretty solid there, but um, yeah, there's a you know back row, second row, and and the uh, the back three for Glasgow are the top positions which Dave Rennie's probably got a few thoughts to think about in the next couple of days. Yeah, I mean we're we well, I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm sort of unashamedly uh, in love with Lee Jones as people know in this uh, <laughs> not just because he's from Selkirk I should, I should add um, <laughs> but um, yeah so again interesting to see some of the match I think you're right Gary there's some really interesting matchups in this I'm not 
I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not. I don't feel as pessimistic as Ian. I think it'll be. I yeah. think. I think it might be a tighter game than we think. Um, do I? Do you want to take Gary? Do you want to take a guess at the? Have a stab at the scores for for Edinburgh and Glasgow this weekend. Oh yeah, I think Edinburgh will. They'll not be as bad as Cockers is making out, but I think they'll <laughs> they'll still struggle to to win this first game. So what will we see? Uh, 25-10 at Montpellier, and I think Glasgow. Um, I think Glasgow can get a win. I'll say it. I think they can win. Um, I'll go for twenty-one fifteen to Glasgow. Okay, Ian, do you want to take a stab? Oh, man. I, I like Gary's optimism. Um, <laughs> uh, Edinburgh Montpellier. I was going to go for a kind of similar gap. I was going to say like thirty fifteen ish, something like that. Uh, Glasgow Saris. See, like I said, I think it's all about the start. If we start well, you know, like uh, like we did against Racing a couple of years ago when. Everyone thought we had no chance, seeing as they were runners-up the years before. But then they got absolutely fun rustled off the park. <laughs> um, I don't, I'm going to go Sarri's 28, Glasgow 16, and I'm going to be that precise about it. Good. It's a good precise score. Um, I reckon Embra will lose by 10, and I'm going to say Glasgow will win by 2. Nice. Yeah, there we go. So we'll, that Lee Jones a winning try. That's it. Yeah, Lee Jones will score a winning uh, try. Yeah, he he did score. He did score down at uh, the uh, Allianz Park in the quarters. Yeah, he did. So got yeah, the, it's got, got form the shout of the night, I believe. Yeah. Um, other quick news. Um, Phil Burley's um off to play for the Sunwolves next season. Um, with that, not not as their terrifying mascot. Um, so that's interesting. Um. Still no news on where John Hardy's off to. There was some rumour that he was linked with Scarlets, but um, that doesn't really seem to be going anywhere at the minute. Um, and um, as people can just stop sending us uh, messages to say that Blade Thompson is playing well, because I think we just, a bit like with Callum Gibbons, Blade Thompson always seems to play well. So, and yeah, um, it'll be interesting. What, I should have had a point of ordering from John, which I was going to do in Hands in the Rock, but I will do now. Um, John, uh, who um, is an admin on the Scottish Rugby Forum, wants to remind everybody that um, Scotland can't select overseas players for the Wales match because keep, people keep choosing Premiership and French-based players in their dream teams for the Wales match. And uh, John wants to remind everyone that that can't happen. That was very nearly in my hands in the rock, but I, I thought it was, you know, our good listeners would already be aware of that. Yeah, there's some doubt as well about whether or not um, Welsh players are going to be, or other players from other Pro 14 teams, which would affect presumably Blade Thompson if he does get called up and Sam Hildegold climb. But you would imagine that the SRU would have had words and said, look, if we're going to play this game, then you're going to release some players. But that would yeah, be... Yeah, probably, but, uh, sorry, it's probably, for me, it would probably be a hands in the rock as well. I mean, I just don't know why... These games are played outside the window. I really just find it quite amazing, and you know, to call it the Doddy Weir Cup, and the, you know, the Welsh Rugby Union are obviously, you know, well behind Doddy as everyone is. But I just think it's um, <laughs> you're talking about both teams having trouble getting players to play an international game. That's turning into football, really, you know. So it's, uh, I know it's a bit strange. It is strange, and what 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 else is strange is it's sort of detriment because there are I think this Pro 14 game game scheduled that weekend as well. So it's going to massively, I mean, particularly for Glasgow and Edinburgh, it's, it's you know it's going to decimate their teams for that weekend. Um, I think the Wales, my understanding is Wales have to play the fourth test because they're still paying off the Millennium Stadium or the Principality Stadium or whatever it's called. Um, okay. And so they yeah, have they to do play. it for financial reasons. Mm. Um, so it's like we are kind of doing them a favour. So 
I think they look... should release Hidalgo Klein. If, yeah. If, if he's going to be, if he was going to be in the squad, you know, if there was any chance that a Welsh-based player was going to be in the squad, um, so we've got Hidalgo Klein and possibly Thompson. Yeah. Um, I think that's it, though, isn't it? I don't think there's any other Welsh-based. You know, it's, it's, it's for charity. I know. You know. But the only reason, looking at <laughs> oh, the fixture, looking at the fixture list, the only reason why I could see that. Gregor Townsend or the SRU would agree to it is that Scotland haven't got many away fixtures between now and the World Cup so so they haven't got that many opportunities to sort of get that monkey off the back so it's yeah, put that, uh, so, put that one to bed yeah that's the only sort of logical reason I could see yeah I'm sure, I'm sure after the last trip to Cardiff I'm sure they're looking forward to going back there so. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah no I mean you obviously want to get as many test matches in as you can before the uh, for the World Cup, I mean, there's 13 test matches to go before the World Cup, and uh, as you said, to have yeah, it's not just it's not just uh, Edinburgh Glasgow, it just it sort of takes away from the Pro 14. If there's games the night before, and then there's an international game, I just but you know all the countries seem to be doing it, but it just seems a strange thing. Yeah, um, the um, we've we put out a, a, a shout um, last episode um, for something we we're going to try and make a regular feature, and it it seems seems like it might be for um, strange player call off reasons. Um, and, and David Richardson got in touch on Twitter to say that he knows of a former Kelso winger who called off from a game because his granny was coming round to his house to show him how to make soup. It's <laughs> uh, an important life skill. Um, well, some, some... Know, it might have been for the benefit of the team in the long run. True. If, uh, if he could make like a massive pot of soup. True. <laughs> I mean, my, my dad taught me how to make soup before I went to university and I can still make it. So, you know, it's it's a good, important life skill, soup making. I'm um, not a soup fan, so you know. Gary, what any any strong views on soup? Yeah, uh, I quite enjoy soup as well. So I remember um, a few years ago, you might know uh, Bruce McNeil for Hoyk. There was some sort of talk about him getting a haircut instead of playing a game. I <laughs> I've tried to look it up earlier online, and I couldn't find it, but I'm pretty sure there was some sort of rumor that went around. So, um, given the way he plays the game, I can't imagine him missing any games at all. But uh, that was <laughs> that was the chat one point about a decade ago so um, yeah um, know, haircut, obviously important so. yeah important this um alan mcdonald got in touch to say that he once called off because he was uh, performing in a school choir um so um but yeah get if any any strange player call-offs and you want to humiliate teammates former teammates do, do get in touch in the uh, normal way um where's we've had a bumper where's doogie donnelly which uh, gary if you don't this is just our sort of people who spot rugby players and pundits out and about um yeah Gil Hunter uh, got in touch on Twitter to say he saw Dave Rennie and Tim Hortons in East Kilbride frowning at his laptop. So um, I didn't know Tim Hortons was over here, and I looked, there's hundreds of them in Scotland apparently. I didn't know. See, I thought there's one at the bottom of Union Street in Glasgow, and I thought that was the first one. And I just, like, I thought there was a big deal made about that, but I didn't know it spread so quickly like a zombie virus. I don't know what Dave Rennie's doing in East Kilbride as well. Yeah, um, that's a weird one. Well, well, why would anyone? Nathan East Kilbride, but I hate East Kilbride. You can also ask to the. Uh, you can now ask your listeners if they've ever seen Dave Rennie not with a frown on his face. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> we did. When he first when he first started, we had sort of a Twitter meme going where every single photo it was like the many faces of Dave Rennie, and there was only one. <laughs> um, can I just clarify about why I hate East Kilbride? I I worked in um, what is Sports Direct in East Kilbride on the football boots. That's why I don't like. 
That's why. That's that's as good a reason as any, and we'll not hold it yeah. against you. Um, we had Bruce Bruce McConaughey on Twitter um, said when he was playing for Borough Muir Seconds, um, he came back to the ground and there was a veterans Six Nation game involving a Scotland All Boys sound taking on their Welsh uh, counterparts. Um, he said on the way back to the sanctuary of the Borough Muir clubhouse, I'd stopped off to purchase some chips because I am a prop and nutrition is very important to me. I made my way to the bar carefully to guard my poke of chips before placing it on the bar to retrieve my wallet. As I turned to retrieve them and to take a seat to enjoy my newly acquired pint, I noticed an unwanted hand in my front row salad. Upon further inspection, I noticed it was attached to none other than the third most famous Hastings after Gavin and the Battle of Scott Hastings. He whipped a couple of chips into his mouth, gave me a wink and walked off. I'd almost blocked this painful memory from my thoughts until Facebook reminded me that nine years ago this March, I posted on a Facebook status that I am simp- that simply Scott Hastings is a, and then there's something that we, a word that we won't, we don't use on this podcast. Um, to this day, I lament the loss of those valuable calories and blame it for derailing my career. Who knows what I could have come. Um, so yeah, Scott, yeah, Scott, uh, Scott Hastings, chip thief. Um, the last one, this is this is my favourite one we've had so far. Um, Craig Mason uh, said that he um, met Pierre Showman in the Murray, or, or Shubby Doo as we call him on this podcast, uh, in the Murrayfield car park. I commiserated with him regarding his suspension and he replayed the full moment on the pitch, including the forearm to the neck. Not only a superstar on the pitch, but an absolute gent off it. So um, fast becoming a, a cult favourite, um, Pierre Schumann. Um Ian Wallace, uh, who who drives a bus on Embra, and just uh, he see he sees everyone out and about. Um, saw Sean Kennedy and John Barkley in the same queue at traffic lights on Stevenson Road, and I quite quite like that. Um. Hands in the ruck, then, um, Gary. What what's had its hands in your ruck this this week or the, or recently? Um, well, I think I probably mentioned it earlier. For some reason, I don't know why. I've just I've had this thing about Hugh Jones and the, the way he's been kind of <laughs> dealt with uh, since he came to Scotland. Um, I think people have got quite short memories um, from the autumn test last year to suddenly a few good, bad games for Glasgow. Obviously, had a, a bad game in Wales for Scotland, but uh, yeah, I just find it quite funny the way he's been kind of. <laughs> Treated and saying he needs to, you know, he said he felt, felt quite nervous coming into pre-season at Glasgow and feeling like he's a new boy and feeling like he's not quite settled yet. Because, yeah, I still think there's, you know, loads to come from him. And if we can, if he doesn't play well too well for Glasgow, but he's uh, fit and fighting for Scotland for the World Cup, then I guess I would, I would take that. Yeah, I mean, it's quite an interesting one because he was, he was sort of interviewed recently, and it, I suppose we've got to fans of, well, we've got to appreciate that playing, you know, Scotland and Glasgow are two completely different setups, Ian, and and. You know, just because he fits well in the Scotland setup doesn't automatically mean he's going to slot into the way that Glasgow are playing. Yeah, I mean, well, he just, you know, he came in at the Scotland team and he was just an attacking superstar in that game against Australia, where he scored two tries. Um, you know, just, what was that his second cap after a, a brief appearance against Japan? Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's been a try machine for, for Scotland, um, but, you know, he's been playing usually down in the, the Southern Hemisphere. Um, so, like Gary was saying earlier, and I've said when trying to excuse Hugh Jones's sort of relatively poor performances for Glasgow, the man had no pre-season. You know, he just went straight from he went from winning the Curry Cup final, which he scored twice, to uh, he hadn't even told his teammates. The next morning, he was on a flight to London 
then to come up to Glasgow. You know, the man had no break at all. He was basically playing rugby solid for a year. Um, so not only physically, you know, mentally, I suppose you must get broken down. We've, heard, we've seen Joe Maller recently talking about that kind of aspect of it. Um, so yeah, no, I'm, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Hugh Jones and Alex Dunbar. I think they'll be a great combination. You know, Dunbar's a kind of solid steel guy. Hugh Jones is the maybe not like the stepper that Mark Bennett was when they combined together so well, Dunbar and Bennett. Um, but he's you know such an attacking threat, so powerful. He's run such great lines. If they can get their defensive game sorted out, they are going to be formidable. Um, so you know, I'm, I'd really hope that they start together against uh, Saris. Yeah. Um. And what and Ian, what's what's had its hands in your ruck then? Uh. Yeah. So. Um. Well, as a sort of dishonourable mention to Keith Earls, um, we'll do this briefly. He was mouthing off uh, about um being yellow carded and a penalty try being awarded against him uh, against Leinster for a. He challenged James Lowe before James Lowe uh, collected a pass. Um, so he's mouthing off about that. Uh, he said he, James Lowe went down too easy. He said the same about Fraser Brown a couple of years ago. So I think he should wind his neck in. Uh, you know, there's, uh, there's already been enough one mouthy Irishman in the sports news this week. Um, but the main, I mean, hands on rock is um, like I've only got Premier Sports on the app services. So I don't have it on my my Sky. I've, I use Sky as my TV provider. I watch it on my, my phone and my app and on the website. Um, I'd, I've, I've had a fair bit of bother. I don't know if it's just me, but I've had a fair bit of bother with them. Um, on my tablet, it can take over a minute just to log in. I've already got stuff all saved and I've updated the app to the newest version. Uh, it doesn't depend if I'm on Wi-Fi or data. It can take a minute to log in. Uh, uh, the other week, I was trying to watch the Edinburgh Benetton game on my, we- uh, my laptop logged into the website. I didn't have it on any other app because it says you can't log in on multiple devices. Uh, I logged in and all I could watch was a 20-second promo bit for the Premier Sports Pro 14 coverage, which is why I subscribed. You don't, you don't have to try and sell it to me. That's why I'm here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, none of those channels worked. Uh, on my phone, it's, it seems a bit quicker because my phone's quite fancy compared to the rest of the stuff, but it's not like I'm using old equipment. Um so I don't know if anyone else had issues with Premier Sports apps. No, I think it's pretty ropey. I have to say I've had similar. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched. I was. I didn't have time to watch the Ember and Glasgow games this uh, week, so I'd watched the highlights program. And the highlights program this week opened with Glasgow v Dragons, or the second part of the Glasgow v Dragons highlights. So I thought that, I thought which, I that, that confused well. me. Yeah, that confused me. I was me, trying so. to find the Leinster Munster highlights and. <laughs> And I think um, um, people have complained that when they've recorded things, it's not quite recorded the right thing and things. So I think there's a, there seems. I mean, the coverage is. I would say that we, we've said I think before in here the coverage is very good, um, and it's it's you know it's great that you get to um, you get to watch every game and every game's available. But at the same time, I think there's still a lot of bugs to be ironed out. Yeah, the, it seems to be the live coverage has full commentary, but when they're showing a replay, you don't have commentary. Yeah. Um, one of the problems I had, especially with the earlier versions of the app, uh, getting loads of sound pops. Mm. Um, and I thought at first it was just the device I was using, or maybe because I was on the bus and I was using my data. Came in the house, same thing happened. I had to switch the app, switch everything off, tried it on my phone, and it was the same thing. I think that was the Glasgow Monster game. Um, so I think there's a few technical things to iron out. Maybe what we should do, we should do a podcast special where we do a live call to technical support. 
Sugar um, or hold? <laughs> um, the, uh, we've had a couple of... Uh, where, well, Bruce McConaughey again um, said his hand's in the rock as he's an Embra fan and he went to Scotston for his wife's birthday because she's a Glasgow fan. Um, and he said he hated to say it, but what a great place, atmosphere and setup. Almost forgotten what a crowd noise was like. Um, he also yeah. said his other hands in the rock was the ridiculous safety information video at Scotston. Now, John has some knowledge of this, but I've never heard of this. And you've been unable to find anything, Ian? Yes, no, I've either just paid no attention whatsoever, or uh... yeah, I've managed to I've managed to see that at the ground a couple of times. It's uh, it's, it's pretty funny. I think they may have to do a new one because Big Brian's in it, so they may have to. Uh, oh. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's Ali Price who seems to be on every advert going for Glasgow, and uh, yeah, Big Brian's in there with his high vis jacket telling you how to. And then there's a bit with Dave Rennie telling you how to put things in the bin properly. Which is oh like, yeah, there's that bit. So of course, remember the um, uh, the Edinburgh game, the New Year's Eve game, when the, uh, the fire alarm went off of course, just before yeah. half time. Yeah. yeah. So the the announcement comes over the tannoy that you know, please evacuate the stadium as you know from the nearest way possible. I think it actually said to walk on the pitch and then spread out. Um, but then, as you know, you're hear this over the tannoy, you go to walk on the pitch. The security guards are telling, shepherding you down to one. Uh, one corridor basically, and it was even they even got the players to come out. It was beside the clubhouse. I don't know if you know the Scotson layout. Mm-hmm. Um, that's down in the uh, sort of southeast corner. Um, so the players go off in the, the main stand, which is sort of uh, west. Is it west? No, north. Sorry. No, no, I'm in the north. It's the south. Aye. Um, but everyone got shepherded down. Even the players. We saw the players down at the clubhouse, and that's apparently the stand that the fire started in. <laughs> so it's like yeah, they, they direct you onto the pitch and then go out to the nearest exit but then they said no go and stand where the fire started good plan make a lot of sense well, it, was, yeah. it, was, it was winter they'd want you to keep warm in. yeah that's very thoughtful apparently it was started by somebody smoking a fag in a disabled toilet oh, that's the, the rumour yeah. well um, Ali Price being in that video does feed into my um, theory that Ali Price is Alan Partridge um, that he's in, he's in all the adverts. They're both from, Nor- from Norfolk. Both from Norfolk. They uh, both regularly endorse local car dealerships. They both love Lexus. And driver Lexus. Lexus, yep. And Alan Ali Price endorses um, Scottish Lexus. Um, and now, when Alan Partridge lost his BBC show, he put on loads of weight. And when Ali Price, what happened when Ali Price was lost his place in the Scotland squad? Put on loads of weight. Ali Price is Alan Partridge. It's it's. I'm going to make that happen. Um, Someone's going to drop a cow on him soon. <laughs> um, my hands in the rock. I just want to thank Chloe on the blog for highlighting this, um, which I hadn't, I hadn't picked up on this, which is uh, Gus Pichot um, is now head of uh, mining operations in Argentina uh, for a company owned by Andrew Forrest. Now, Andrew Forrest, for people who don't know, is the owner of the Breakaway World Series, uh, World Rugby Series um, apparently it's, it's above board because Gus Pichot declared his role with World Rugby at the time that he was appointed um, but um, yeah Forrest owned Western Force and they were dropped um, as a Super Rugby franchise so he decided to set up this World Series Rugby which is this sort of crazy variation of rugby um, it's like Vince McMahon rugby yeah you get one minute per scrum otherwise the team considered to be holding up players penalised line outs taken when the throwing team is ready and something called power tries which are worth seven points plus two for the conversion, so ten points on the board in total available. If the try results from a continuous move from the scoring team's twenty-two, 
So I don't. Uh, yeah, and but apparently this is the the key. A, a green light flashes on the post if a power try is on. Um, so we, I mean, we were joking last episode about some of Gus Pichot's mad ideas for the future of rugby, but I, I think the um, the interesting thing here, though, is this new sort of version has been sanctioned by World Rugby in September, and it just it seems like a massive conflict of interest um, that you've got someone employed by someone trying to bring in a new version of the game, and they might benefit quite significantly financially from it. Um, yeah, if that was like somebody in the House of Commons, that would, you know, I think there would be a few people complaining about that that's yeah. uh, that's definitely a bit of a, a bit of a brown envelope moment yeah i mean uh, chloe's point was you know everyone thinks gus pish was the sort of the cool guy in the you know the the, the jacket and the t-shirt and the sand the open toe sandals but he's on yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think we we, we when we, we jo- i jokingly suggested before i realized this i was jokingly suggesting in the lap, last episode that he was going to sort of bring in things like fireball and you know, set the ball alight for the last twenty minutes of a game and daft things like that with some of his ideas he had, but it seems like that might actually happen. Um, <laughs> no, he has. He's, he's he just comes up with mental stuff. It's just I don't know. He, he's trying to be like the rebel voice, but he's just talking nonsense. Yeah, it's interesting. Nothing came out after they had that big meeting in um, Australia or Sydney a few weeks back, where they were sort of saying this is going to change the future and we're going to relook at the season. Nothing, nothing's come out, and it's all gone very quiet again. So yeah, um, so yeah, that's it for this week. Anyway, um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks, and then we're going to be going weekly because we'll be hitting autumn test season. Um, so we've got about a run of seven weekly episodes coming then. Um, thanks for joining us, Gary. Uh, good to have you on as always. We'll get no you back again. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see everyone uh, in a couple of weeks. Bye from me and bye from Gary and Ian. Cheerio. Cheers. Um, I've I've realised I've said I've said goodbye to uh, Gary and Ian uh, rather prematurely. Um. We've got another bit of a bit of a feature this week. Um, earlier uh, at the weekend, uh, John Anderson caught up with um, the committee for Sixteenth Warrior, who are the Glasgow Warriors Supporters Club, uh, to talk about what they're doing at Glasgow Warriors. So he had an interesting chat with them. Uh, so it's uh, John here um, with the Sixteenth Warrior, some of the, the select committee. Um, we're in the Scotston Clubhouse just before the Zebra game here, and um, we're building up to what should be hopefully a home win. So, guys, um, I know some of you were on your joints to Africa, but um, just wanting to check in terms of the season so far. Um, do you got any views on that? So far, the season's going more or less to plan. A lot of people I know aren't that happy with some of the play, but I'm I'm quite I'm. Some of the guys are coming back from injury, long injury. He likes to take Hugh Jones, for instance. He was off for a while because he was absolutely knackered. Ollie Kebbell's come back, a new player as well this season. And it's all starting to get to get together. I think the next couple of games you'll see a big, massive difference. I hope they'll up it. That's that's really interesting point. And for yourself, who would you say was the standout player so far this season? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> We've got no idea here. About yourself, uh, I would say. What's his name? Um... <laughs> What's his name? I would just like to point out that this is the, the Glasgow Warriors yeah. 16th Warrior Committee here, guys. So Rob Harley, sorry. Rob, Rob Harley, Harley. Yeah, good choice yeah. in yourself. Yeah. Mm. Callum Gibbons. Oh, Callum Gibbons, right. yeah. yeah. Or Ollie Cable. Yeah, he was good. Wasn't Adam he? Hastings. I would say Callum. Callum, yeah, Callum's superb. Yeah, I think he's going to be a good captain. Yeah. 
yeah, he seems to be showing quite a lot of leadership so far. So, uh, yeah, certainly a bit of a fan's favourite. So, in terms of Scottsdale, um, there's been some interesting developments around recycling, um, we're led to believe. So, can anyone shed any further light on that and maybe promote the scheme? Yeah, it looks like it's me again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's bins all over there. Bin, marked bins, coloured bins, and there's a video going to be out. Uh, come November, there will be a big press uh, campaign going out. <laughs> to highlight it to everybody about what they're supposed to do. Already Dave Rennie's done his little spiel already. Uh, we had guys from the, our uh, supporters were helping last week to make sure you used the right bin, etc. So it's all getting together. We'll, we'll be there eventually. Like some Martha's, all their stuff is compostable. So uh, everything's going to be recyclable. It's coming probably in December, probably. It's, everyone will get used to it. It's like everything else. It's, not, everyone's not used to doing it yet, but they will be. And what role are the committee playing in ensuring this behaviour gets adopted? Uh, we make sure their drink uh, cups etc. are put away in the right in the right bins. And make sure this this makes keep an eye on folk. Just make sure they're not putting food in and stuff in, in, the, in the wrong bins etc. That's all we can do. Yeah, uh, we can't be there all the time, you know. No, that's that's absolutely brilliant. And final final point from me: When are we getting this place a bit bigger? Not in the foreseeable future. Uh, it's one of these things, you take a look at last week's game and this week's game, they're not sellouts. Uh, the, the so-called smaller teams, I use that as a, not a really great word, not the big European teams. For big European games, yeah, you'd sell out, no problems, 10 to 15,000. But for the regular league games, you're, we're not selling out all the time. So we're not in that position yet where there's a clamour for tickets every single game. So until we get to that point, I don't think we should go for it, because all it takes one or two bad seasons and... Fickle fans. Yeah, it seems to be the, the success of the club over the last few years has really driven the demand. So, um, predictions for tonight, guys? Win, win. <laughs> Definite win, bonus point. Win, bonus point. 32-13. Oh, he's, he's nailing his colours to the mast here. And <laughs> yeah, I've I done that with the Kings as well. Lee Jones will get two. I've got a funny feeling, feeling huge ones, we've got one. Hastings will come down. I think Hastings will get one. Yeah, Hastings is showing, certainly. He's showing being very slippery. Yes. And uh, I must put my hands up, I wasn't a great favourite of him when, I first, when he first came, no. but he uh, certainly proved me wrong. So. I started a season very, very, very well. So, um, in terms of the fixtures upcoming, uh, I'm sure that I, I'm expecting a unanimous answer here but what are we looking forward to in the near future Saris. 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 <laughs> <laughs> i believe i believe the saracens supporters club are coming up yes, yes. Yeah. we've got a night arranged with them in waxies next saturday night uh, some charitable stuff as well at the same time and they're going to do likewise when we go back down there's a race night down there as well uh organized stuff for leon as well in cardiff so europe seems to be catch imagination of all the supporters you know, and everyone wants to go to them. So Leon's going to be very busy, even when it's very expensive, because of the light show. But... <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time tonight, guys, and fingers crossed for a Glasgow win. Thank you. Thank you.